Hello and welcome to another episode of Altitude, where we talk to the founders of future high-flying companies in Latin America. I'm your co-host, Brian Reckworth. And I'm your co-host, Tommy Rojo. Today, our guest is Santiago Aparicio, co-founder of OnTop. Santiago is a serial entrepreneur from Bogota, Colombia. After studying economics and getting a master's in international management, he went on to become the seventh employee at Rappi, where he was a corporate partnerships director. He later co-founded FitPal, a fitness platform that went on to become the largest network of fitness and wellness services in Colombia. Now, Santiago is building On Top, a multi-country payroll manager for LATAM that automates international hiring and payments, allowing companies to hire talent from across the globe. He's also an avid writer and recently launched a book titled Apagar Incendios con Gasolina, or To Put Out Fires with Gasoline, in which he guides entrepreneurs through the process of raising capital and creating a startup. Santiago, great to have you on the Latitude podcast. Welcome to Altitude. Well, Brian and Tommy, thank you so much for having me. Always grateful to be back home. <laughs> Here we are. That's great, man. Santi, we're going to talk about On Top in a bit, but first, you're a second-time founder, and this is the second time you work with Julian, your co-founder. You had already founded Fitpal. How did you guys come together at the first place, and what are some of the key factors to building a successful long-term partnership? Well, Tommy, uh, I guess that in the beginning I had a pretty rough start since I've always knew that I don't have any special talents. So I've always aimed very high to surround myself with people which were way better than me. So I'd say that's the main compound of building something successful. I've seen, I've been seeing trends in, in huge companies and is basically the founding team trying to surround uh, themselves with people that are way better than they are at various things, which was something that came to me naturally, not because I'm smart, but because I was nothing special at, at what I was doing. So I thought that was the way to go, right? So basically when I started in Rappi, I was bitten by the entrepreneurship bug and I wanted to make uh, something of my own. So my first instinct was to look for someone who was already jumping into the void. Uh, so I basically stumbled up across Juli in, in Facebook. We, we knew each other uh, because of college. And he was at that time uh, starting an idea, uh, which was Fitball by then. So he just launched the company. And I remember that he was posting like the launch event dates. So I immediately reached out to him and, uh, and I told him that I wanted to be a part of that project. Initially, uh, I thought that my best bet was going to be an investor, which I didn't have any money by then, but I, I thought that was a cool way to actually segue into something bigger. And I ended up being part of the team and, and building Fitball with, with Juli together. Amazing. What are some of the key lessons that you took away from that experience at Fitpal and they were able to apply to on top? I would say the main uh, lesson is that being famous, it doesn't make you successful uh, business-wise because we focused ourselves in, in being in every single magazine and that brought a lot of traffic and a lot of things. But we try to forget that the business was still a business. So when the pandemic hit, uh, we had to take serious, like near-to-death experience to the company decisions to stay afloat. And definitely uh, I learned that not because you are well-known or because you have more followers does that mean that your business is going to be bigger. So don't chase fame, chase growth. That would be like the lesson. Cool. I love it. And Santi, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you're doing at on top, what you have achieved so far and what you're looking to achieve in short midterm? 
Definitely. So I would say that the pandemic taught us that we, we can do a lot of things uh, by being remote. So international hiring just skyrocketed, right? But the actual question was, how can I hire someone in a different country, given the fact that I already know that I can work remotely? So we built a software that could enable every company in Latin America to hire internationally with the click of a button. And that was the main premise on how we started. Very rapidly, uh, we gather a lot of clients and we gather a lot of traction. And right now, what we're trying to ambition is something which is way bigger than we ever expected. And the fact that we're working uh, with people here in Latin America, users start talking about how they could be saving their money that they were being paid in dollars because we have a lot of inflation and, and currency devaluation here in the region. And also farther down the line, if, if we could allow them to invest that money in U.S. markets, like in the stock market or, or, or per se. So we catched up to this idea. And, and right now we're building or we're trying to build a financial inf infrastructure for emerging markets. That's to say that if we're allowing you to get hired by an international company, because most of the times our clients are U.S. based, right? You as a Latin American should be able to not only earn in dollars, but also save in dollars and further down the line, invest in dollars. So the question that we asked ourselves is, if talent is getting decentralized, why cannot you decentralize your own economy so that you can have benefit of a stable currency such as the U.S. dollar? So we're trying to bring the American dream right, to emerging markets without the need of having a social security number. Wow, that's that's a that's an inspiring mission. And let's talk about execution wise, because this seems like it's gonna it is and has probably been full of challenges. But you put together this global army to tackle the complexity of hiring internationally. Tell us a little bit more about your operation. So right now we're working in our focus, uh, our core product, I would say, which is the international hiring part, which is actually the payroll manager, right? That's going to allow you uh, as a customer to hire anyone in the world uh, for $29 uh, in 152 countries, so mainly worldwide. Our second stream of revenue, which is the one that is going to be, I would say, running in, in a couple of weeks, it's an, a wallet which is going to allow you to save your paycheck in U.S. dollars, right? And from that wallet, you will be able to have a card, which is the on-top card, which is going to allow you basically to save money in U.S. dollars, but spend money locally in local currency. That way you can only use whatever you need and you can save the rest. Further down the line, I would say that the third stream of revenue, which is going to come directly to us, is providing uh, our customers, our end customers, that's to say, uh, not the companies that are doing the hiring, but the employees themselves, with financial products which could allow them to access credit or payment advancements or even loans. That's amazing, Santi. Excited about that. How's the evolution of the pandemic impacting your strategic decisions moving forward? And especially, Santi, I mean, if you want to tackle how you're seeing the, the future of distributed work when the pandemic starts dying down, hopefully. I would say that definitely the pandemic has been a strong uh, tailwind for us. And even though there is a bunch of competition in our space, we do believe that crisis comes with a great opportunity for us. And that's the fact that People tend to believe that the market is way smaller uh, than you think is actually right now. So you're going to find out that there's a lot of companies trying to tackle 
a worldwide market, but you tend to forget that actually the world is pretty big. So there's a space for a lot of multi-billion dollar companies. I actually lived through this myself first with Rappi. When we started in Rappi, we were actually giving free donuts in the street for downloads. And Domicilius.com by that time, which is founded by Miguel, one of our mentors as well, crazy enough, was already like doing something like $2 million per month. So that was a no-brainer, like how you guys are going to compete against that. But you find out that there's space for multi-billion dollar companies in that space, right? Then again, with Fedball, when we started, there was Gym Pass in Brazil, which is a unicorn and Class Pass in the US. So I've been finding out that competition only makes the market bigger and you need to take into account the fact that if you're getting into a market, it's not only about the competition, but how fast the market is growing, because that's going to give you the opportunity to go and get your own customers. And it seems like investors are taking note, right? Share a little bit more about your fundraising experience so far. Just in full disclosure, I'm an angel investor in the company and I ended up investing, you were part of LF0, and I ended up investing before we had a fund set up at Latitude. So talk a little bit more about your investors and what do you look for in partners? We're definitely, we're very humbled uh, by all the investors, including yourself and and Latitude as well, because that was a key part uh, to our process. Uh, Actually, everyone thinks that because we managed to gather over 38 of the best founders in Latin America is because we were geniuses behind this kind of a strategy, when in reality, we were very afraid that we weren't going to raise any money. So I asked my, my, my co-founder, Juli, what was the best way to gather $50,000, which was at that time our goal, right? And we came with the answer that the best way to do it was to approach people that have made businesses in the past, so founders, and that so that we could reach out to get $5,000, right? So in reality, if you managed to reach a bunch of people, you were going to get a lot of money from different people, but in the end, the main goal was to get 50000 Actually, uh, we find out that uh, when you start getting a lot of traction for investors, the word uh, of mouth spread out pretty quickly. And not only we managed to bring investors in, but we also uh, managed to, to bring a lot of business, which actually made us grow like crazy, which was something that we haven't planned. Uh, but it was amazing because... The more people invested, the more business we gather. So we, we, we kind of got money, but also business development at the same time. That's great, man. Tell us a little bit about your book and what's the meaning of the title behind it? As an entrepreneur, I've always seen that things are way, like they're very far from perfect, right? And there's going to be a lot of problems, but you're going to choose uh, which are real problems and which ones are going to be your priority right now. And most of the time, I tend to believe that being an entrepreneur is like craving a, a, statue, a, a statue out of marble. So instead of, of chunking marble together, you're actually taking marble away to show the masterpiece, right? So I truly believe that when you're building a company, you're actually doing the work of how can I know the 10,000 ways in which this company is not going to be built by making mistakes? And the way to build that company is going to show itself by process of elimination, right? So most of the time you're going to be making problems bigger, right? But I do believe that when you're building a company, as long as you're getting new problems, you're advancing in the right way. So I thought that it's virtually the same as trying to put off a fire with gasoline because the problem is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And by definition, 
when you're building a company and startup, you're so you're you're actually solving for a problem. So you want that problem to be a big as big as possible. So as long as that problem is getting bigger, uh, you should be all right. Yeah, there's no shortage of problems uh, and challenges in the region, and it's great to see you tackling this one. As a second-time entrepreneur, what, what's one piece of advice that you can share with other founders? I would say that the main piece of advice would be not not to be so focused on fundraising. In the beginning, we thought that by getting money, is, is it was going to solve all of our problems. In reality, money or, or fundraising is a consequence of growing. So if you're not growing, it's going to be very hard to raise money. I think that uh, very a lot of early entrepreneurs think that the goal is to, to get fundraised, when in reality, the goal should be to grow. And then you're going to have the option uh, to fundraise if, if, you, if you feel like, like you need to do it. But the main lesson uh, came when we actually figure out that the right way to build a company is to grow and to sell and not by spending your time trying to raise money all the time. 100%. And what's one word that exemplifies entrepreneurship for you? Pain. <laughs> I'd say Elab- pain. Elaborate, elaborate. I think I understand where you're coming from. I think that uh, is going to sound very cliche, but there's a, like a saying in the U.S., which is no pain, no gain. When in reality, I tend to, to, to understand that, that quote as there is nothing to be gained if you're not risking anything and to risk some things is going to be very costly, right? By definition. So you're going to sacrifice a lot of things. You're going to sacrifice your time. Most of the time, you're going to sacrifice the people that you thought that were your friends. Even sometimes you're going to sacrifice your own family because uh, you just need to work. And and there's a lot of things that, of course, uh, if you're looking for a- equilibrium or, or, or a balance in your life, it's going to be very hard. And that's why I do advise people to start very young because the less responsibility you have, the more you can commit uh, to the problem. And it's going to be easier. It's not, it's not to say that's going to be impossible, but the most the more responsibilities you, you, you have as, as a human being, that means that you're going to endure a lot of pain or more pain to try to build something out of nothing. Thank you, man. Uh, Santiago, keep flying high and vamos la thumb. Definitely, and, and, and happy to be here, guys. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you, Santi. Thanks a lot. I love this, Santi.